My name is Pastor John Hardman with the Quincy Church of the Nazarene, and I'm glad you have chose to join us today. Today's date is April 24th, 2022. This is the second Sunday after Easter. Our scripture text for today's sermon is Acts chapter 5, and I'll be reading 27 to 32. Let me give you the setting for our passage of scripture to help place this event in our minds. After Jesus' resurrection, ascension, and then filling of the Holy Spirit on the first Pentecost, Pentecost, the church of God is on the move. Uh, the church is growing like wildfire. The apostles, the apostles were meeting regularly and many Jews were saved and miracles were a common occurrence. Listen to this account found in Acts chapter 5, 15 and 16. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. And all of them were healed. And then verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. <laughs> the idea of the religious leaders was to bring them before the trial to figure out uh, what to do with these witnesses. We know what is going on here, right? Out of jealousy, the religious leaders punished Jesus' disciples and put them in a public jail for all to see. One would think that this would be the end of it, right? But God sends an angel who unlocks their prison doors and gives them this instruction. This is verse 20. Go. Stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, that is what they did. They started sharing the good news of God. Meanwhile, after the Sanhedrin got in their places and came up with a game plan as how they were going to address this disobedience of their prisoners, they sent for them. <laughs> The temple guards returned with this report. They had escaped. The prison doors were locked and the guards were still at their posts, but the prisoners were gone, vanished. And then verse 25. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At this, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not for use force because they feared that the people would stone them. <laughs> that brings us to our text at hand, Acts chapter 5, and I'll be reading verses 27 through 32. Acts 5, 27 through 32. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, 
We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of the sins of Israel. We are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The reading of God's word. Will you bow your heads with me, please? <laughs> oh, my Father, we recognize you are the real teacher here today through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that uh, as the uh, passage has been read, as the sermon is presented, that you would work in our lives in such a way that we would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are our God, that Jesus is our resurrected Savior, and that your Holy Spirit is working in us in such a way that we would obey you. We would obey you rather than men or the poles around us today. May this be so in Jesus' name. Amen. In these six verses, I could not determine oh, which was the greater point to make. There's so many. It's a great story that highlights the apostles' courage and resolve to be obedient to God's instruction. Even at the expense of losing credibility with the current religious leaders of the day. With that being said, let us break it down verse by verse. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the grand priest. That's the, that's the head guy. That's the kahuna. <laughs> the apostles came willingly. They were brought before the full Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, I believe, is a good place to start. It consisted of two religious groups. The Sanhedrin was a supreme council of Jews which controlled civil and religious law. It had 71 members to make up that were made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. The Sanhedrin had great influence over the land, and what they said was the law. Another note of interest is that the Sadducees had more numbers, so they had control via more votes. Verse 28, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. This is where the text takes on texture. <laughs> the, the chewy, grisly part of that causes you to chew on it for a while. In chapter 4, the Sanhedrin did command Peter and John not to speak in the name of Jesus any longer. The event is too exciting not to mention. Peter and John made their way to the temple to worship when they encountered a cripple. In Jesus' name, they healed the man. In return, the excited man caused quite a scene and the crowds formed around Peter and John. Then Peter preaches Jesus, Jesus crucified and resurrected, and then places the blame of his death squarely on the soldiers' shoulders of the religious leaders. Sounded like this, Acts 4-7. They, 
the religious leaders, had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, <laughs> that this man stands before you healed. The disciples continued the witness, and indeed all of Jerusalem heard and Luke, the writer of this event, wanted us to take note of it as well. In just a few weeks of history, after the very first Easter, all of this transpired. The unfair crucifixion. The whole country turned dark at Jesus' death. The resurrection of Jesus. The resurrected Christ made himself known to several hundred men and women who witnessed the living Christ. Jesus' ascension, then the Pentecost, and then filling of the Holy Spirit. When the apostles spoke, thousands believed and came to Christ. Crowds formed on the streets so that even the shadow of Peter was enough to heal them. And today's event was the second time an angel of the Lord released them from captivity. <laughs> Yes, the Sanhedrin could not keep the crowds from hearing, keep the crowds from seeing and believing. And verse two, I mean, verse 28 explains it well. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than you. That very statement was enough to send these men over the edge. <laughs> I'd like to have been there, even if it was just a fly. Everyone on the Sanhedrin council were noted men of God. They viewed themselves as the go-between between earth and heaven. They were the ones who supposedly had the ear of God. Yet these disciples of Jesus proclaimed, We must obey God rather than you. Then Peter, the spirit-filled Galilean fisherman, addressed the council. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. <laughs> this is important. By mentioning the God of our fathers, Peter was identifying the resurrected Jesus to the miracles of the Old Testament. The God who had parted the Red Sea and had led the Israelites to the Promised Land had also raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. This should have resonated with the men who knew the, old, the stories of the Old Testament well. But their hearts were hardened, and Peter nailed them with this same Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of the sins to Israel. 
Jesus had been killed by the Jewish leaders, but he has been raised from the dead by God himself. <laughs> Listen to Psalm uh, 2. I, I just read this in my devotional. It fits. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Peter said, we are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When one reads verse, verses 30 through 32 together, you get a wonderful example of the good news of the gospel. I've taken some liberties to personalize the message for today. So this is in essence. The God, the God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. Praise the Lord. You killed him by hanging him on the tree. But God raised him from the grave and exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior of the world. He offers repentance and forgiveness of sins to all who believe. We are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit inside us, whom God has given to those who obey him. <laughs> when chastised, the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. Which begs the question, of who are you obeying? This is an important question because it is a defining moment in one's spiritual life. Obedience or disobedience? Empowered or powerless? Life or death? God is speaking. Are you listening? God wants to use you. What is your answer? Personally, I surrender my will to his. How about you? A song came to mind that I would like to, to read to you. It's my testimony, actually. Let it be yours. It's titled, I'd Rather Have Jesus. It goes as follows. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led, led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. I'd rather be true to his holy name. He's fairer than lilies of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey from out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Will you bow your heads with me, please? Father, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I believe you are speaking today.
And Lord, I just ask that we leave this sermon with the resolve that we are going to live for you with everything, with all of our being. And we are going to be obedient to what you want and not to the poles of the world. We will say yes to Jesus and no to Satan. May it be so. Start with me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, thank you for joining us. May God richly bless you and your obedience to him. Until we meet again. Bye.